This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey friends, welcome to WrestleBuddy's Game Spots Wrestling Podcast, but with wrestling, friendship, and wrestling with friendship. I am your host, Matt Elfring, and with me, returning champion and actual co-host of the show, Chris Hayner. Chris how was that flaming table you went through Matt, after the Royal Rumble? I gotta stop hurting myself and thus missing the podcast. It's not doing great. Uh, That's twice it's happened it's now. It's twice. Once because of COVID and now once because I literally, I like, yes, I know, kayfabe, bro. I went through a flaming table. Uh, mm-hmm. I was out for a run. I tripped and I ripped my hand open on a chain link fence because I'm hardcore, brother. Uh, but uh, yeah, I'm... I'm mostly whole. And I got a text saying, I can't cover Royal Rumble with you tonight. Enjoy doing it on your own, sucker. Matt, real talk. I had to sit and think for a second because I was I was out in the world. Like I was out on a run in like a yeah. park when it happened. And I had to stop and think for a second. Should I call 911 first or should I text Matt to let him know I'm not going to be there for the rumble? <laughs> Which is like, that's messed up. That is some seriously messed up stuff. But uh, yeah. thankfully, I did end up calling 911 first and like, got to ride an ambulance for the first time ever. I got to go to the ER for the first time ever. I got stitches. I got stitches. I'm, first. I'm all stitched up, bro. It's good time. You, know, you had a lot of Royal Rumble firsts. And then I came. Yes, I did. And then I came <laughs> home and I watched the Rumble. I got home just like toward the end of the women's match, I uh. think. Um. Yeah, it was right. I got there. I got home just in time, I think, to see Bianca Belair win. And then and then did not podcast with us. I no, I was like they gave me Norco at the hospital. I didn't feel great. Oh, no. Yeah, no, (laughs) I did not feel great. I ended up going to bed early that night and sleeping for 10 hours. Nice. Yeah, it was. I mean, it wasn't the 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 most comfortable sleep, because the thing about one hand being like splinted and stitched is you have to find Really interesting ways to uh, position yourself when you're nappy nap. Also, Chris, what's on the menu this week? Matt, this is actually a very special episode of Wrestle Buddies. Uh, a special uh, episode. That's right. It's not after dark. We are doing this in the middle no. of the day. Uh, I should note. Uh, I have I have termed this episode uh, WB1995, much mm-hmm. like uh, my favorite album ever, uh, Taylor Swift's TS 1989 best album cover. What's up? Come at me. Uh, but we're th- Matt, you've finished. You have finished your your epic, we'll say, journey yeah. through what many would term a transitional year of WWE programming. Oh, boy. Uh, Chris, I feel like we would transition, like call it uh, not a great year of WWE programming. The worst year of WWE programming, I would say. I still don't know if I believe that. I don't know if I'll go that hard into it. Overall, it is the worst year overall. Again, this is overall looking at 
we're looking at 1995 and overall it is the worst year. Mm -hmm. However, there are some great moments in 1995 that are, I mean, like man, mountain rock, Mountain rock, like mantar. Um, Yeah. So we are, I'm, I'm giving you the rundown of the weirdest things from 1995. There will be a written version of this that is much more concise and edited, but <laughs> on but, but honestly, less funny because they're not going to be a lot of me and you joke ups. Not at all. I, here's the here's the funny thing. I was talking to someone actually from Red Ventures yesterday about WWE Network, and he's like, uh, "Oh man, like you like I love watching the Attitude Era stuff." I'm like, "Oh, I had to watch all of 1995 for like work." And he's like, "Oh, that doesn't sound fun at all. I would never want to do that." I'm like, "Well, no, you know what?" It's not that bad. Well, I think it's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. And I want to clarify when I say all of 1995, I am talking specifically about Monday Night Raw mm-hmm. and most of the pay-per-views. I'm going to be honest, one of the in-your-house pay-per-views, I didn't want to watch because I was tired of watching bad in-your-house pay-per-views. Do you remember what the main event was? Uh, I think that was a diesel uh, one. I don't care. Enough said. I had gotten, this was the last in your house. I think it was in December. And like, I had gotten to a point when 1995 where I'm like, I'm done. I, I don't want to watch in your house pay-per-views anymore. They're not good. Honestly. Like I, I feel like we've talked about this before. I like Kevin Nash. I think Kevin Nash is cool. Love him. Uh, I think he's amazing on Twitter in current day. Uh, the few times I've talked to him, he's been nothing but lovely. Uh, the big daddy, cool diesel WWF champion era is not a highlight of anyone's wrestling. Uh, anyone's past as a wrestling fan. Uh, it was a very strange time in the company. Let's let's kick things off in January. Um, we talk about this being a transitional phase. It very much is. Uh, this is the new generation of wrestlers or it's, that's what it, it's it's post Hulkamania, but pre attitude era. It doesn't moment, really know what they're doing. They have no idea. There are moments where you start to see the attitude era peak in. And I would say that 1995 kind of marks that transition to attitude era. One hundred percent. It's the tail end of 95 that does it, but it is 95. So. Oh, how do I even break into these notes? <laughs> I'm, lo- have- I'm looking at Matt's notes and it's legit. It's it's five pages of it's five just pages. like this happened on this day. This happened on this day. Uh, let's let's just start it with let's let's start with the first raw. It's of 95 It's January 2nd. Uh, you you <laughs> you deemed it unremarkable to kick <laughs> off the, the new thing. generation. It's an episode of raw that's unremarkable. When I started taking these notes, I was going to be the only person that saw these. Mm-hmm. So there are times where I just write down a quick sentence or a, just a quick match that happened. And I'm like, no one's ever going to see this. So I can write whatever I want. Unremarkable. <laughs> right. An, uh, uh, but but I'll tell you why it's surprising that you wrote it's unremarkable, Matt, because your favorite wrestler ever seems to be a big piece of this episode. Uh, as we all know, Matt loves charles wright the yes, good I father the godfather papa shango and one comma mustafa well we're not talking about comma mustafa this is comma the fighting machine two different commas are the same guy okay 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 it's it's still charles wright comma mustafa is i i know it's still like that comma is still technically the same character who had a transitional gimmick but comma but- mustafa is more nation of domination and come of the fighting machines like, hey, 
MMA and UFC are kind of popular. How can we uh, get money off of that? And the way they did it was comma who like you have it written down here. It's just a promo of him working out and beating people up using submission moves, but then riding a motorcycle <laughs> through the desert. Yeah. Imagine the Godfather in all his glittery bedazzled glory riding a hog through the desert. But this is this is comma the fighting machine <laughs> who has that weird haircut gold chains oh, God. Uh, and a weird singlet that he wore. Now, this was actually a fine promo. I like what they did with Kama mm-hmm. for the character for the time. But again, this is kind of old guard WWF where your job is your gimmick. Um, yeah, I know MMA fighter is more what more or less what the attitude era eventually becomes. But MMA fighter is a job here. It's 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 not. He's he's very cardboard. Yes. But Kama's a huge part of 1995. Uh, The latter half, not so much. He disappears. But there is a whole rivalry with The Undertaker where he takes The Undertaker's urn, melts it and makes it into gold chains. That's so dope. It's a really good storyline. Actually, it's I don't know if it's really good. I like it a lot, but it's bad. If, If you think it's good, it's good. Um. So you have a note here and it's something I actually picked up on uh, in the bits of 95 I watched and it's Shawn Michaels on commentary. Uh, not entirely sure why it happened. He may have been dealing with an injury. It may have just been something to keep him fresh while not in the ring. Mm. I liked Shawn Michaels on commentary in 1995. I think it's a lot of fun. He was a great color commentator. 95 is a super duper weird year for Michaels, which I guess I'll just get kind of get into now. It's a lot of ups and downs. He's not fighting for some time in the early, early parts of the year. Uh, He has a a bunch of like decent matches and a good run. It's a lot of, it's forgettable though, all in honesty. But then in November of 1995, he collapses in the ring and uh, has to be carried out on a stretcher. After that, man, there is like a month long, like interviews with doctors about like how Shawn Michaels has a concussion and he can't compete. And then Shawn Michaels has interviews where he's about to cry. He's like, I just can't compete anymore. And then December 18th is the last episode of raw for 1995. The episode ends with a video package of Shawn Michaels. Like he has died. It is like sad, like (laughs) sad music playing over it and slow motion shots of like Shawn Michaels being Shawn Michaels. And if, you just went to that episode and didn't know anything else that happened post 95. You'd think Shawn Michaels had died. And spoilers, Shawn Michaels, not dead. He's still very alive. No, he was taking time off. Uh, according to some dirt sheets and stuff that I've read and, and actual interviews, they wanted to keep Shawn Michaels fresh. So they just kind of kept him out of the ring because Michaels kind of care, helped carry 95. He really did, which is what I, I find it so strange that he, especially early on in the year, he wasn't wrestling. He wasn't, doing much of anything he main evented wrestlemania yeah like they they seem to go very heavy back and forth on how much they were using him at this point and it, like i i'm sure there's like an actual like concrete reason why um but i find i find it interesting that like in the first few episodes of raw and even beyond that in 95 he's on commentary but also he won the royal rumble yeah like he's the Royal Rumble winner that year, even though he had been mostly doing commentary. It reminds me of when Jerry the King Lawler would be on commentary and then he would enter the Rumble. And he would not win. 
at all. He would, and he would, Lawler's a big you, part of this year. Do you remember when he hid under the ring during the Rumble? And then, I like, I that. think Bret Hart <laughs> pulled him out, and it led to a, a match with Bret Hart. Chris, let's talk about that Bret Hart, uh, Jerry Lawler um, feud. Okay. Um, oh my God, how do we? How do I? Where are my notes for it? There's, first? there's so much going on this year. I'm just gonna type in foot. I'm gonna search for the word foot because it's a kiss it's my a foot kiss match. My foot match. This is going on uh, for for quite some time. Uh, I want to go back. So they're feuding for for quite some time. On May 22nd, there is a promo that uh, a segment that Bret Hart cuts where he calls Jerry Lawler lower than S H I T. Um, Bret. Brett swears. Um, this is the first instance on May 22nd where a, a swear word is bleeped, which to me is a big deal. Like that's the kind of a wait. That, attitude is, that, is that the, that's the first instance on WWE programming on raw, at least in 1995, that something is bleeped. That's so weird that it was of all people. Like it was Bret Hart. Bret Hart. <laughs> it's like, he's kind of a goody goody to be honest. This sets up, uh, this feud um, moves forward, this feud between Lawler and Bret Hart and Jerry Lawler wants to have a kiss my foot match where the loser has to kiss the other person's foot, which is the dumbest thing in the world. It, it is so stupid. Honestly, it's very old school Memphis is what it sounds like. To yeah, me. which which is cool for then. But like in this weird transitional era. Yeah, it's stupid. Uh, this leads to Jerry Lawler, who is on commentary at this time talking about how he hasn't washed his foot in weeks. Um, I believe at one point I had calculated how long it had been between him washing his feet. I didn't take the note for it. Um, oh, here it is. Here is Here's the note. Uh, Lawler says he hasn't washed his feet in two weeks to prep for the match. That's still 20 days away. So this is 34 days of Lawler not washing his feet. And there is literal dirt all over his feet. Chris, how do you how do you not wash your feet? Also, how do you get dirt on your feet? Like, I'm assuming he's just running around outside of his house barefoot. Like he heard the ice cream man and he had to run out and get a fudge sickle. Possibly. Um, but what I find strange is that, like, in theory, even by showering, he would somewhat wash his feet just by the fact that, like, they're in the shower. He's got to be putting them in plastic bags or something. It is so dumb. I like to imagine he's taking a Witcher style bath. Where his legs yes. are hanging out of the tub. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone picture that. Everyone picture Jerry the King Lawler naked as the day he was born in a, like a, a basin with his legs hanging over the sides, just bathing. So, uh, so, and the Lawler Bret Hart thing goes all year technically. Mm -hmm. So we get to uh, June 19th Raw. Uh, Lawler is still bragging about his feet he's holding up these fake plastic feet that are giant big with like sores all over him he's like this is what my feet look like <laughs> that's so stupid uh this i believe this was the king of the ring where the match takes place lawler ends up losing um and so bret hart puts lawler's own foot into his mouth uh and the crowd goes wild the crowd goes mild i, I also took note during king of the ring um, there were four great King of the Ring mullets. That was Shawn Michaels, Jerry Lawler, Todd Pentengale, and Adam Baum. All great mullets happening in WWF hey, at this time. Kudos on making the 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 kudos on making the list, Pentengale. Yeah, right. Todd Pentengale doesn't get enough props, and if we can give him props on a dope mullet, I call that a win. 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I'm just typing something else into my notes because it's going to be easier. This actually leads to the next evolution of the Lawler Bret Hart feud where Lawler on June 26th goes to see his dentist, Dr. Isaac Yanka. <laughs> DDS. Yes. DD. Yes. Is what I say. This, now that. keep in mind, this is June 26th. Mm-hmm. We do not actually see, uh, as I noted him in here, Dr. Dentist Kane until August 27th on SummerSlam. Uh, this Isaac Yankum is just around. He takes on Bret Hart. It's just, it's, it's not interesting at all. Do you think? And go ahead. Isaac Yankum is related to Britt Baker DDS. I would love for that to be a thing. Like if that's just like somewhere in her bio, like her grit, her uncle Isaac, (laughs) (laughs) she learned the dentist dentistry arts from her uncle Isaac or something like that. Possibly. AEW get on that. Uh, so the doctor, the doctor thing, um, so June 26th, sorry, I'm looking at my no- other notes as well. So we took, so, so Yankum takes over that Bret Hart feud, then it kind of ends or whatever. Mm-hmm. I just want to point out that a Dr. Isaac Yankum lasted until mid-1996. Um, and the reason Glenn Jacobs stopped being Yankum, obviously because it wasn't working, but this is when Razor Ramon and Diesel left WWF oh, for WCW. Boy. 1996. And then Jacobs became fake Diesel to see if because WWF felt from uh, I haven't gone too deep into this um, research, but I believe WWF felt like that their characters were bigger than the performers behind them. So they tried to do fake Razor Ramon mm-hmm. and fake Diesel, which with, they a, he, with, when, the with JR to JR turned heel somehow for some reason. Yeah. and was like, I'm bringing him back. And if I remember correctly, I believe Kevin Nash has spoken about this in interviews. Uh, the higher ups at WCW thought that they that like, Yes. Nash and Hall had gone behind their backs and ended up giving them more money to not go back to WWF, even though yes. they had they weren't going back to WWF and then fake Diesel, fake Razor debut. And they're like, oh, well, dang it. Oops. Uh, so that's a 1996 thing, though, but it's something we will delve into more. Oh, yeah. Um, I do want to talk very briefly about the women's division in WWF during 1995. Yes. Um, they have real matches, by the way. They're just few I and don't, far I between. don't understand. It's like in like bowls of gravy. So for no real, real matches. Um, the Braun first pa- women's like, match. So like a, it's like a brawn panties match. Welcome to the typical wrestling podcast. We hate wrestling. It sucks. That bit. Welcome to typical, typical wrestling podcast. Braun panties matches. Best ever. I don't know. I don't know, man. Let's see it. <laughs> One of the notes from the W the Royal Rumble uh, mini episode we did from D9000 was like, hey, great episode of typical wrestling podcast. <laughs> oh, no, that sounds bad. <laughs> I guess it was, I don't know, it was a fine episode. That's what, happen- that's different- what happens when I'm not there to take everything off course. Very different episode. Uh, April 3rd is the first women's match on Raw. Again, I want to stress and point out, I can't watch Superstars or WWF Challengers of Wrestling or whatever it was um, because it's not on the network. I only had access to Raw and the pay-per-views from that year. Okay. So there are a lot of weekend shows where women might have been wrestling. However, surprising it took that long to get a women's match on Raw, though. Yeah. 
Um, April 3rd is a big episode, and not because that's when Undertaker's Earned was turned into commas, commas cold, gold so chains. Stupid. Uh, we got to see Alundra Blaze take on one of my favorites, Bull Nakano. Mm. Uh, that's the only Bull match I think I saw on Raw, though. That's a bummer, because Bull Nakano rules. Yeah. Uh, there was, throughout the year, a lot of women's Japanese wrestlers, especially in the latter half of 1995, that were involved in feuds with Alundra Blaze. Uh, and then Big Bertha, who was a terrible, terrible, terrible gimmicky women's wrestler who was the champion for most of 95, too. Bertha Faye. But. Hey, Chris, you know PCO, the the uh, the Frankenstein man? Is it Pierre Carl Ouellette, maybe? I don't, well, I don't know what PCO stands for, but yeah, I know PCO, Frankenstein man. Frankenstein man. He was in WWF in 95 as uh, a pirate. <laughs> Named Jean-Pierre Lafitte. Wait. Really? Remember, Pi- do you remember? The, I, I don't think you were watching. Re- you you didn't watch during the Ruthless Aggression era, but that wasn't the WWF's only pirate character, you know? No, but it's the worst of all the pirate characters. I don't know. Pirate Paul Birchall wasn't great, but I loved it. Uh, Jean-Pierre's biggest moment to me in all of 1995 was... Uh, stealing the uh, fake severed head of Bret Hart that Hakushi had in a bag to taunt Bret Hart for one episode of Raw. What on earth are you talking about? Dude, Hakushi has Bret Hart's uh, fake Bret Hart severed head in a bag. I just... And then Jean-Pierre Lafitte steals it at the end of that match. And it's... I, I was trying to look up the severed head bit like to see, like, did it go anywhere else was it on like a weekend show to get to see and i couldn't find any the answer was like no it was just a one-off weird thing it seems to be it seems to me and i feel like obviously as we've said as we've said and we'll continue to say this is a transitional year it feels like a lot of 1995 was uh vince and whoever was helping him like write the shows at that point was just throwing everything at the wall to see what would stick Everything. And the majority of it didn't. Matt, I have a question. Yeah, uh, I'm looking at your notes. <laughs> April 17th. It's the same night that it, uh, I PCO know exactly where you're is. going with this. Go it's ahead. It's just so much talk about Duckman. Uh, as you know, Raw was on the USA Network. The first half of the year, they were constantly promoting USA shows. And Duckman, I believe, followed Raw. And so Jerry the uh, Jerry the King Lawler was constantly talking about like tonight's episode of Duckman is going to be great. Uh-huh! It was just a lot of that. Uh, real talk, uh, Duckman's like, not a good show. I used to love it, but I, I was also I twelve. It. I did not like it at all. Also, as someone, my my high school nickname was Duckman for completely oh, different no. reasons. That like I was like this show can go straight to hell. But the more important note under that is that when Doink the Clown, who was a thing during this time but not very much longer um he had a finisher called the whoopee cushion up the top row mm-hmm. and every time he did it there was an 80 yard fart noise <laughs> bring it back bring that back in 2021 i don't if even you remember also, i don't even care if doink comes back just bring back the whoopee cushion and fart noise <laughs> just like a listen listen if alexa bliss can change into different characters mid-match someone can do a fart noise off the top rope come on um, when Dick the Clown did it, there was a higher pitched <laughs> fart noise. Boop. Yeah, it was so dumb. It's, it's um, amazing. 
Is that what you thought I was going to bring up when I started talking about that day? I thought you were going to talk about uh, yeah. That was we, next. We, talked to, we also talked about the Black Phantom, which was Gangrel. Oh boy, um, that's right. Pre Gangrel, Gangrel. This is when Je- Just Incredible was in WWF as uh, Aldo Montoya, a masked wrestler with the stupidest um, worst mask. Honestly, yeah. look up the Aldo Montoya mask, or just look up Just Incredible mask or whatever. It looks like they just grabbed a bed sheet and cut some holes in it and wrapped it around his head. Yeah, it's bad. And, and like, the thing is like that mask kind of almost comes back later towards the end of the year with the character avatar, uh, who is played by Al snow. (laughs) Now when Al snow comes to the ring, he does not wear the mask. When he fights, he puts the mask on. It's a weird reverse. Like that's so odd. It does not make sense. I'm surprised it didn't last forever. He became Al Snow pretty quickly after that. Well, but what was before that? He was Leaf or something like that. Leaf. Yeah, yeah. And he was like an old, like a rot, like a sort of '70s pop rocker type of guy. Yeah. Um. Let's talk about what in your house the pay per view was. Yes. I, I think this is kind of important. Um, the idea of in your house it was going to be a decorated show like. Hey, man, it's in your house. Like, look, it's a garage door in a bat. We can play basketball here and there's a wrestling match, but it's in a, an arena. Yeah, it's now, just with a set that looks kind of like a living room. Yeah, yeah. Which in theory, like the first couple were pretty cool. The very first in your house, they were going to call somebody live on air during the pay-per-view to give someone a house in Florida. What, that, did I win? No, you didn't. And that only lasted one pay-per-view. Of course it did. They're not going to give away a house every month. Although, honestly, they could probably afford a house in Florida, Matt. I don't know if you know. Yeah, this, but like, I, uh, Florida, it, it's not too expensive. And this is Todd Pettengill, who was kind of everywhere uh, during this time. Uh, there were levels of people that were on camera to me. And like the top of the levels was like it was Vince McMahon, Jerry Lawler. Uh, doing commentary and then below that was Todd Pettengale and then below that was uh, I got to look this guy's name up really quick it's right in front of me right here uh, Barry Dedinsky I want to talk about sorry, Barry what? Dedinsky I want to talk about Barry Dedinsky for one second uh-huh. during 1995 if you were looking to buy some piece of crap that you would end up throwing away uh, a month after you bought it Barry Dedinsky was there to sell it to you during raw oh god Chris do you need a cardboard cutout of diesel or undertaker for twenty four ninety nine yes. plus three ninety nine shipping and handling? Yeah. Barry Dodinsky can sell to you. Do you need pogs, which they call uh, madcaps? So this is, so this is not the, uh, bungees. This is not WWF bungees. Bungees were a few years later. So, bungees were like, I think 1999. So this is so this specifically like, the WWF branded pogs, which were called mad. Yes. Yeah. Which I actually have tried to buy on eBay. <laughs> Same. Uh, yes, I do, Matt. I do need those. Do you need a denim jacket with Bret Hart on the back no. or a t-shirt that's seven sizes too big for anybody? Yeah, that sounds very <laughs> de- Is he very just like speed. doing like the WWF yard sale? That's what it feels like. He's always like right in the crowd and he's like, uh, he's has the most like East Coast accent. Oh, he's doing like, this in the uh, he's doing selling this stuff to people in the audience. Yeah. Sometimes he's backstage with the smoke and guns playing pogs. Uh, so this just, these like, are like shops, like the way they the way that the wrestlers do shop zone commercials backstage. Now he's doing that. He's just doing it in the crowd with people. And you know how shop zone commercials happen? Like you'll see one, maybe two a month mm-hmm. if there's something big happening. Like a BOGO these, sale. 
yeah, like a BOGO sale. But like these are these Barry Dodinsky pitchman moments are happening sometimes three times during an episode of Raw. Wow. Raw was two hours back then. So. So in theory, Barry Dodinsky is getting more camera time than like the world champion. Yeah. And he is not a person you should have on camera. <laughs> oh, oh, sick burn. Barry Dodinsky. Not, not a sick burn. He's just like. Barry Dodinsky, just, if you're listening to this, I'm sorry that Matt is being so offensive toward you. I, he's just not interesting to see on camera or hear talk about things. I just don't like him. <laughs> Anyways, you can call him that 1-800 number, which is listed at the bottom of your screen right now. Oh, can we talk about the hotline just for one quick second? Man, WWF just trying to make all of the money. So I, I I have a tiny bit of insight into this. I was recently listening to Jim Ross's podcast, Girling with JR, uh-huh. and it was brought up how WWF started doing the WWF hotline after Mean Gene relaunched his hotline on WCW. And they were and it was so they actually are like, was this done as sort of a like a knock on Gene or, you know, just kind of a rib like he took his business. Like he went elsewhere and is now making all this holiday money. And they're like, no, uh, it was easy money. That's yeah. all it was. It was just a way to make an easy buck and at a dollar 49 a minute. And I never called into these hotlines as a kid because I was afraid I would get in so much trouble with my parents. But from, as we all were. But from what I understand, they talked very slowly and strung you out as long as they possibly could to milk as much money out of it as they could. Mm hmm. I'm shocked that doesn't still exist in some form. Chris, the most egregious version of the hotline happened on uh, the October 2nd episode of Raw. Okay. Where you could call uh, a 1-900 number, which was 50 cents per call, and vote on whether or not you thought OJ Simpson was guilty or not. What? Yes. WWF did, did a phone poll where they charged you to vote whether or not you thought OJ was guilty? This happened the night before the verdict was announced on October 3rd. So this October 2nd episode of Raw, there was a couple moments where it's like, you can vote to see if uh, OJ's guilty or not. Do you think he's guilty? Do you think he's not guilty? That's insane. Did they those, announce the results? <laughs> um, I, I believe they did um, online or something. Not online, but I'm sure you can find that info somewhere. Wow. I can't believe they did that. That's insane. That's actually insane. Yeah, it was 50 cents per call. You could vote whether or not he was. And and there may be some younger folk listening to this. Uh, I'll, let me just explain very, very briefly. Um, oh, no. OJ oh, no. was OJ was accused of uh, murdering his wife and uh, wife's lover, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. And there was a uh, when he was about to be arrested. Trial of the uh, century. OJ, trial. Yeah. OJ got into his Ford Bronco and went on a police chase. And it looked it, a lot like kids. It looked a lot like that time that uh, Goldust fought Rowdy Roddy <laughs> Piper in a Hollywood backlot brawl match because they used the footage. <laughs> because WWF just bought the rights to using the footage of OJ's Bronco chase and used it as part of the match. It was the weirdest thing. Dude, I remember when that happened. I could not stop laughing. Same. It was the funniest thing. I, I couldn't believe what was happening on television. I couldn't believe anyway. So the OJ Simpson trial was undoubtedly, undoubtedly the biggest thing from 1995. Mm -hmm. Everyone was talking about it. I remember I was in the eighth grade, seventh grade at the time. 
I remember like it was they announced the verdict during lunch and everyone was quiet while one teacher had a radio at full blast. Mm-hmm. Like everyone was in it. Like everyone wanted to know. I'm not going to give any opinions on whether or not he did it. It was just it was something that captivated the nation. Uh, I was in Mr. Lee's social studies class. I believe it was eighth grade. And we like he, we listened to it on the radio. I'll give an opinion. He did it. It's fine. He did it. It's, it's fine. I mean, if you write a book later on, it says, says if, if I, I did, did it, it, and it explains exactly how you did it. And then the publisher's like, wait, we can't publish this. You just confessed to murder. Hold on a second. You're writing a book explaining, like, I didn't do this murder, but if I did it, here's how I would have done it. And then the police. That's sociopathic. And then the police are like, huh, that's weird. That's exactly how it happened. <sighs> Let's go back to those notes. But it's okay. Um, He's in uh, Naked Gun or whatever. <laughs> Loaded Weapon. Whatever. Whatever. This is the year we get Waylon Mercy. Now, for those unfamiliar, Waylon Mercy is is based off Robert De Niro's character from Cape Fear, in a sense. Um, and in a sense, he is, right? Yeah, I know. It's yeah. stupid. It's all just, He's not stupid every, because no, everything Waylon Mercy is Waylon Mercy is the blueprint for Bray Wyatt. Wow. The, is he I not? mean is he not? I can't argue that. Now I got to it's a hold on. Yeah. Watch watch the vignettes, man. They are good. Waylon Mercy is fantastic in these vignettes. He's a guy from the South. He just doesn't have a follow like a, a group of followers. What Bray Wyatt did was he took Waylon Mercy and he's like, wait a minute. But what if this guy was a cult leader? Yeah. And it works so well. He borrowed all um, of Waylon Mercy's shirts. Yeah. He, yeah. Yeah. He always wore <laughs> like those. Florida floral, the super floral Hawaiian style shirts that nobody in Hawaii would wear. Yeah. Like a guy on vacation wears those. A guy on vacation who who goes on vacation to wrestle alligators would wear one of these shirts. 100%. Imagine, imagine what Bray Wyatt wore. Like the first time you saw him in NXT, that's what Waylon Mercy, like that. It's the same outfit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but Waylon Mercy is a character that I don't think it gets uh, enough credit. You know, it, again, it really is the blueprint for Bray Wyatt. And he debuted in 1995. He wrestled a few matches, but was he was just lost because there was so much else going on. Yeah. And the character was to me was too ahead of its time. Now, I've mentioned on a previous episode, Man Mountain Rock. He is a, a mountain of a man who loves to rock. Elias is dad. <laughs> Elias dad. He's in a feud um, very briefly with Bob Backlund because Bob Backlund hates rock and roll. Of course he does. He likes uh, the American presidents and putting people in headlocks. Let's also talk about Bob Backlund in 1995 really quickly. He's in and out of television. Um, the Towards the tail end of 95, he decides he wants to run for president. So at a show in Canada, he is... Uh, going through the crowd, trying to get people to vote for him in Canada. In, in Canada again. In Canada, we'll reiterate. Like I, I can't tell if it's genius or like, or accidental uh, fun. If I, I just can't tell with Backlund. Like he's such a an, an enigma to me as a wrestler, as a character in WWE. Yeah, knowing Backlund's probably a little bit of both. Like Backlund yeah. is a guy where like it's been said multiple times, like. If you ask for his autograph, he will make you name all of the presidents of the United States first. Okay, so he's he might be might be a little uh, nutty. He hurt me. Nutty. He's the only wrestler that's ever caused me an actual injury. 
when he put me in a headlock in a WrestleMania press box and then my neck was stiff for a day. Oh, good times. Oh boy. Um, I do want to point out my favorite image from 1995 happens during King of the Ring, uh, where Bam Bam Bigelow is on a golf course. It's just, he's in a polo and shirt and he's just on a golf course. God, there's so much going on in 95 and all of it's terrible. Um, the Hardy boys don't debut together, but they debut separately as jobbers, right? Uh, as jobbers. Yeah. yeah numerous times, Matt Hardy and Jeff Hardy are, uh, both wrestling, getting squashed by people. Is, and is, is 95 fun. the year we get the Jeff Hardy versus Razor Ramon match? That is the tail end of the year. I am, um, uh, December 11th. He's against Owen Hart here. Hang on. He might be, he might be there. I just might not have written it down. Oh, I'm sorry. That's from 1994. My apologies. You can get rid of all. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I guess they didn't debut, but they were, they were involved in, you know, they were the local talent that got yeah, squashed. They were the, that's they another got, thing. They got to come in and job because jobbers were a thing back then. Yeah. That's kind of what I love about 95 is like, there's a lot of job matches and it's kind of great for building up talent. And then also it makes pay-per-views more important because you're not getting those pay-per-view matches on Monday night television. Well, let's look at this week. For instance, uh, the main event of raw, the first raw after the Royal Rumble last night, the main event was Edge versus Randy Orton in the, as the final match of their feud, as it were. Okay. Uh, it wasn't announced beforehand. It was announced during the show. And then also, it, Randy like, Orton's so in another feud right now. Yeah. Like, so, like, in a world where Edge is back out of retirement, he's like, his matches are at a premium. It seems strange that, like, that just kind of happened with no real forward promotion, nothing like that. It was just a match mm. that happened. Like once upon a time, like they would build up to these superstars finally getting in the ring together. And I'm not saying the way it's done now is bad. I love getting really good matches on a consistent basis, but I think there is room for jobbers in 2021 WWE in more than just being there to make a big guy look big and all powerful mm. because that's kind of what they're used for now. Braun Strowman, when Braun, when they need to build Braun Strowman up, they throw a couple of locals at him and he destroys them in seconds and it's over. Like the, the role of the jobber is to make the bigger wrestlers look powerful as opposed yes. to like, put them out there with anyone who you want to build up. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, but times have changed. Um, sadly. Wah, 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 wah. Here's a note that I made that will never go into the article I'm currently writing. Uh -huh. On July 17th, after winning a match, Shawn Michaels kisses a young woman in the crowd, and she looks 15. It's just a note I had. Wow. Yeah, yeah, there's... That's dark. Yeah, he's... It's weird. Um, he's just a sexy boy. You want another... You want another fun... A fun little note I took of, like, me hating doing this at one point? It bums me out um, that you hated doing it. I didn't hate it. I didn't hate it. There were moments where I'm just like, I can't do this anymore. Right. But like overall, I loved it. All right. You know, let's hear it. Uh, so in your house too, on July 23rd, at the very start of the pay-per-view, I wrote, I wanted to give up. <laughs> That's it. I wanted to give up. But like, why? <laughs> what happened? I think it gets to a point and you'll notice. And for me, there was a turn at, uh, right after july coming into august where <laughs> this is the transition I, you you've I just, you've got you've got yeah 
things actually start happening after July that like is an obvious transition to attitude era mm-hmm. where they're getting away from that kind of new generation overall to me kind of sucks. It's because it is transitional because WWF doesn't have a, a voice at this time. It's just wrestling. Mm-hmm. WCW at this time was just wrestling. Um, it had become stale, it had become stagnant. There was not a, a lot of interesting things happening. Um, however, the moment from in your house too that got me very excited uh-huh. was there was a lumberjack match uh-huh. uh, that was the main event of in your house too, Chris. Mm-hmm. Oh, there and, was, was um, there ever. Uh, so this was battle of the power bombs. It was diesel versus psycho Sid. battle of the power bombs. Power, you got to give up the power bomb to win. And I noticed in my, uh, in my actual write up, I wrote psycho Sid because there's no P it's with a Y. Um, so I'll change that. So the, it's a lumberjack match. And there's a bunch of wrestlers out there. And one of them is Mantar. Love now, Mantar. Love Mantar. Mantar. I think this is like one of the last times you see Mantar. He's still around. And during the entire Lumberjack match, he keeps mooing. Of course. So <laughs> there is a match happening. You can't see Mantar, but you hear. <laughs> I saw that note and I was like, this is this is perfect. I don't understand why you wouldn't want this. The thing, like, I saw this note yesterday when I was starting to write, do the write-up, and I was like, there's no way that happened. Like, I didn't, like, I took that note, but, like, no way it happened that much. So I went back and watched the Lumberjack match. After about three minutes in, it's constantly happening. It's, like, God. nonstop. I love it. I love all of it. It's just perfect. Every Like, it's... The thing about wrestling... <sighs> I feel like WWE is too entrenched in pop culture and uh, it's too on the forefront. Like I think wrestling in general is too on the forefront at this point mm-hmm. where like stuff like a year like this can't happen again, where there's just no. so much bananas, weird stuff going on that you can, that you try really hard to explain, but you can't. How do you explain to someone that a wrestler named Mantar that's half man, half ox or some such thing? is mooing during a lumberjack battle of the power bombs match. Like what it that's in everything about that is bizarre and so good. And like, I know I feel like WWE currently sort of dips its toe in the weird pool. They do it a lot with the fiend. Like the fiend is the one that Mm -hmm. it seems like they feel they can get weird with. Uh, What I'm saying though, is get, weird with all of it like throw out Mm -hmm. especially right now when they're in the thunderdome and like they have the room to be experimental and they don't have a live crowd there to crap all over it like have some fun with it do some weird stuff you might like are you gonna find the next mantar hopefully not because that gimmick never got over (laughs) that big but like you might find something that's just strange enough to work and stand out in a new and interesting way and like that's as much as we want to clown on the year 1995 in pro wrestling, because there's a lot that's not good about it. It's WWE F, whatever you want to call it. They were in that post Hogan glow area and they were trying to figure out what's going to come next. I feel like they're sort of in that area right now where like they're post John Cena, they're making Roman reigns as like the big heel, but like, the there's so much about the company and the product that is very undefined at the moment. And like, yeah, 
no, you don't have to go as ridiculous as things got in 1995, but at least 1995, like had the courage to try stuff, try new things and see what happens. I, I think they're in the WWE right now is doing a lot of new things. I, now, keep in mind in these notes, I'm not talking about, oh, boy, one, two, three kid versus Yokozuna. I wonder what's going to happen here. Like, there's a lot I'm leaving out because it's fine. It's just it's just average wrestling stuff. One, two, three kid versus Yokozuna sounds amazing, Matt. (laughs) Like, (laughs) there's no mention of Yokozuna in this at all, because Yokozuna was just like a very, very solid heel uh, when he appeared. He was great. I love Yokozuna and the WWE icons thing about him was fantastic, by the Mm -hmm. way. I agree with you that like, yes, obviously there's stuff that you're not going to want to talk about from 95. because It's just not fun or exciting or different. Uh, but And, and I agree like WWE is tr- trying some new things now, but I feel like I feel like they're still playing it so safe when when there could be so many interesting things going on. And, and case in point, Matt. Seth Rollins came back at the Royal Rumble still as the Messiah character that was floundering when he left. I love that. I love that character. And he built up this really powerful group. And then he feuded with Rey Mysterio for 17 years and that the entire thing fell apart. And now he's back and we're just supposed to be back to like believing in it again. But like, I don't, I'm sorry. Like I need the product to try something new. Uh, What happened when WWE got weird and transitional in 95, they clued into the Attitude Era, which is arguably one of the biggest moments of that company's history. We're at that point again where they need to find what the next thing is. Like, so do it. Do something. Like, give me something to be excited about. Like, I'm excited for stuff like the Royal Rumble. I love the Royal Rumble match. So, like, watching mm. that is fun. Okay. The Royal Rumble is over. We're now two or three months until WrestleMania. So what happens now? Yeah, well, Chris, that's going to bring us to something. That WWF tried. That was weird. Mm -hmm. That worked out very well. Giving away a house? July 3rd. No, no, not that. On July 31st, there was a special vignette. Okay. I don't, you don't actually see the person. Okay. You hear I believe you hear their voice. What is, <laughs> I didn't take very good notes. Uh, and it's for gold dust. Gold dust. Gold. I love gold dust, by the way. I know this is the beginning of the gold dust. Maybe is gold dust the best thing to come out of 1995 wrestling? Um, boy, oh boy. Oh Cause like, boy. I love, I still like, Yes. Dustin is an AEW now and he's uh, kind of blue and kind of human. It's very confusing, but like, I love the gold dust character. I love the gold dust character in all of its iterations from like the super, super over the top early on to when, yeah. remember when gold dust got weird and started wearing like a bikini to the ring and stuff like that. Or S and M uh, outfits. Yeah. With, uh, Louis Vachon. I love that. Yeah. I loved gold. I loved dude. I loved gold dust when he was electrocuted and tag team with Booker T and had like, and like stuttered oh, yeah. like everything like gold dust is such a good character that weathered so many weird uh, and unexpected character changes and took them all and made them all awesome. This was the, now the gold dust that we we see here that eventually has a uh, feud with razor Ramon in December or the, the start of the feud happens December 18th. Mm-hmm. 
is the androgynous uh bisexual i i think is the best way to uh gold dust who is um wants to get it on with razor ramon it's just kind of like enigma what is this you know hey, what am Chico, i seeing? you know and and we get and we got to see you know the the first appearances of him on december 18th uh gold dust sent razor ramon what is uh can only be described as a very sexy letter mm. now <laughs> let's go into WrestlePiece theater mode <clears throat> chris i want you to uh take over the part of razor ramon as he talks to doc Hendricks, which is michael p.s hayes yes. doc um, Hendricks spelled like it was like was it, it was was it doc doc or doc 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 k doc dok and then Hendricks yes. like jimmy hendrix <clears throat> so let's let's jump in right now <clears throat> let me just uh, intro okay, you please. thank you Recipes Theater, a moment in time where you can hear people read transcripts of other wrestlers. On tonight's episode, we take you back to Monday Night Raw on December 18th, where Doc Hendricks interviews Razor Ramon. Is this the part where I go? Yeah. Oh, because usually you say, you know, playing the part of Razor oh. Ramon. Oh, yeah, sorry, sorry, sorry. I forgot, I forgot how I do my own thing. Uh, playing the part of Razor Ramon, Chris E. Hayner. And now we take you to an interview. Goldust, he sent me a letter. He tells me he thinks I'm hot. I'm so hot. I'm so handsome. Hey, Chico, you're right, but I don't play that. Razor, he only likes the women. Goldust, you can do your thing, man. Just not with me. And at this point, I don't have it written down, but Doc Hendricks asked about the contents of the letter. Well, it's a family show, Doc, but I'll tell you back in the back. It's not for the children. <laughs> I, I I like how I like you, I think I took on the persona of Razor Ramon for a hot second there. I think you read it as John Travolta's character from that sitcom in the 70s. <laughs> Welcome back, Cotter. Yeah, you read it as his character from Welcome Back Cotter. Hey. <laughs> As soon as you started with gold dust, he sent me a letter. I'm like, oh man, this is Travolta. Did you see the body motions I was doing to get into the character? Yeah, I was like, I was like waving back and forth. You couldn't see my hands, which were doing this off camera. You added a couple articles to this, like a couple uh, grammar Did I? Uh, fixes. Oh, to, I, I just want to make it I less want you chaotic. To know, this is verbatim. What oh, because he, he says it's not for children at the very end. I said the children. No, you said. Uh, he only likes the women. And Razor Ramon says, quote, he only likes women. Oh, he said there's a couple. I don't like, play that Razor. So he only likes women. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's so it's so so bizarre, like so bizarre. But like, it, honestly, it let it was a good kickoff for gold dust. Yeah. Like yeah. above all. Um, and man, there's I forgot that I forgot that Razor and gold dust mixed it up at all. Honestly. Yeah. Uh, there's one other thing I would like to get into. Um, oh, well, two small things. I'll just briefly talk about one mm -hmm. thing. Um, so December 18th is the last episode of Raw for 1995. Mm -hmm. There is no episode on December 25th, which is Christmas. I just want to point that out because <laughs> as wrestling fans, we're all kind of like 
well, their pay-per-views won't be on Christmas, but SmackDown and Raw will air Christmas episodes on the 25th. Yep. It's just, it's what they do. NXT will probably do it too, if it happens. Uh, so it's just kind of weird to me as a wrestling fan, like, oh, there's no Christmas show? Like, December 18th was the end of the yeah. year? That's nice. Nah. They gave people time off. That's not the world anymore, Matt. Now it's no. give me shows all day long, all night long. Uh, I want to talk about something real quick. Yeah. Uh, the November 13th episode of Monday Night Raw features a commercial for Survivor Series with a Bill Clinton impersonator. That's what I was going to get okay. to. I was actually going to skip over Undertaker's mask entirely just to talk about this. Uh, well, no, I want to do we're going to do a full episode dedicated to Undertaker's weird Phantom of the Opera mask one day. I, I do want to do actually a full episode dedicated to that feud with Mabel because it's not good. There's a there's but. there's actually there's there's been a few things that have come out of this that like I'm like there I'm in looking at the notes I'm like I understand that we're kind of wrapping up 95 in a, in a in an episode but there's a number of things in here I'm like oh no 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 we're gonna do an Isaac Yankum episode obviously we're not yes. crazy uh we've done we've done the Jack Tunney. <laughs> president of wwf yep. episode that's we, we, kind of, we, we, we skipped over that because gorilla monsoon was president during this time yeah uh oh my god yeah there there's a ton also i kind of want to do we'll figure it out the stridex blimp was at king of the ring <laughs> what <laughs> and also so many mullets yeah there's 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 a lot of stuff in here but i i really really want to talk about this bill clinton impersonator so kind of briefly um, building up to Survivor Series, there was a Bill Clinton impersonator, and they were they they didn't say he was an impersonator. They're like, oh, it's Bill Clinton. He'd be in front of monuments. He'd be talking about Survivor Series. He was going to show up at Survivor Series. This is what it leads to. Chris, hold on to your pants because they're going to fly off in shock. Um, Bill Clinton has his own box at Survivor Series. He the the Secret Service is there with him. Um, my note is effing weird. It doesn't end there. Uh, so I believe it's when Razor Ramon comes out at Survivor Series. There is his, there's his pyro, um, and it's fireworks and you hear a lot of pops or whatever. And the secret service tackles Bill Clinton during it. Like he's about, like he's getting assassinated at Survivor We should Series. note, this is not the real Bill Clinton. Not at all. Not the, not the real Bill an, Clinton, a, not the real secret service. It's an okay impersonator. But all of this is building up to that moment where the Secret Service, ta it is the longest buildup for a mediocre joke. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. There, there's much more I'd love to talk about 1995. However, I don't want the show to go on forever. So go to GameSpot.com. I, I think the article might be up. If not, it'll be up within a week. <laughs> <laughs> as soon as you can actually finish it. I'm halfway done writing it right mm -hmm. now, so we'll see. I wrote half of it yesterday. I'm not going to be able to write any today. We'll see. Um, yeah, so just check out GameSpot. It'll be up there. And you know what? I, I kind of liked doing this. So if you have out there a listener, a year that you want us to watch of wrestling. Now, keep in mind, if you're picking something later where there's a SmackDown, a Velocity, a Sunday Night Heat and pay-per-views, we might skip over some stuff. But I'd, I'd rather focus on the weekly shows. I think the week to week stuff is much more interesting than the pay-per-view stuff. Mm -hmm. um, let us know the year you want us to discuss. You know where they should let Chris us know. They should watch. throw it in the middle of their five star review, because if they do, <sighs> we'll read it there and be like, oh, man, they're so nice. They left us a five star review. Let's tackle their topic. And we will discuss the weirdest stuff from a single year of wrestling. Absolutely. The only reason that 95 was discussed, because I said, 
Wouldn't it be funny to talk about the worst year in wrestling? It was months ago. Just like, it was months ago that you were like, hey, man. So I started watching WWF 1995. And I said, why? And you said, because everyone says it's the worst year of WWF. I was like, well, that checks out. Yeah, but that was actually the conversation, like almost verbatim, I believe. <laughs> and now I'm turning it into an article and we turned it to a uh, whole episode. Right. So I'd love I'd actually like to do this again. And with Chris watching the entire thing as well, which might be hard to do. But I can figure something let's out. Let's do it before the WWE network goes away completely. I mean, it's, go, it's just moving over to Peacock. We're still going to have access to everything. Yeah, I, I'm actually subscribed to Peacock as of today. Oh, so. see, I was already a Peacock subscriber because I'm cool. Um, So but before we go, we're not done yet, Matt. No, oh, we got a mailbag, bro. Okay. I had a hard out in two minutes, but let's oh, do man. it. Oh, man. Well, sorry. Uh, we'll go through this one quickly, but it is an appropriate one because it is a 1995-ish question. Uh, okay, the, it's cool. can- the guys at the It's Canon podcast ask who would win in a program between Elias and Man Mountain Rock. And why would Elias lose said program? Yeah, but I mean, it's, it's well established that Man Mountain Rock is a mountain of a man who loves to and rock. And he's Elias's dad. Yeah. <laughs> It's it, Man Mountain Rock does not last very long through 1995. I want to point. It's only the first half. It's only the first the half, but we love it so much that we like to pretend it's forever. I believe he's in the Lumberjack Magic King of the Ring with a <laughs> character we did not talk about um, called Rad Radford, who's a grunge rocker who headbangs. <laughs> God. Uh, uh, wrestling Musicians is another episode we're going to have to do 100%. We did. Did we really? We talked about rock and roll musicians, but Rad Radford and uh, Man Mountain Rock weren't mentioned. We talked about Jeff Jarrett, Honky Tonk Man, Elias. That's not enough. We got to go back and do some more. We didn't talk about three count. <laughs> well, I mean, honestly, we're, we're going to do Shane, Hel- Shane Helms month at some point. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I clearly Man Mountain Rock, I think, would win. Oh, honestly, I think it would be a, a like a tie because they would knock each other out with guitars. I mean, and it's kind of weird because Man Mountain Rock is very much a face character or presented as a face character. Well, Elias for a long time was presented as heel and then eventually went over the crowd and became face. And now he's heel again because no one cares anymore. It's all none of it matters. But I want to I just want to see it would be great if at one point Elias mentioned his dad, uh, the former rock star known as a man, a mountain of a man who loves to rock, who loves to rock. Anyway, thanks. Thanks for sending in that, because I just I always want to talk about Man Mountain Rock and Elias forever. Such a weird, weird thing. <laughs> it's very strange. And again, I completely skipped over the Mabel and Undertaker storyline. I want that to We're, be. its yeah, own. we segment. are saving that 100 percent. Anyway, that's uh, the show for this week. Thank you guys very much for listening. And as always, Chris, what are your final words for the week? I got a shot in my butt. See you next week. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Russell Buddies. We hope you had at least almost as much fun as we did. Go ahead and rate and review us on the Apple Podcast app. You can email us questions at WrestleBuddies at GameSpot.com or find us over on Twitter at WrestleBuddies. I am at Chris Hayner. He is at I'm Matt Elfring. See you next week. <laughs>